Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, Sean Gaby here with the Supernatural Leadership Podcast, talking about the difference between principle-led leadership and presence-led leadership. We all have a leader within. Why not make that leader a little more supernatural? Enjoy today's episode. Episode. My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we're just so enjoying hearing all the feedback of how people are experiencing the supernatural in their leadership every day. And so remember, we believe that everybody out there has a leader within. So let's make that leader a little more supernatural. Uh, as you know, we've been bringing on so many amazing guests over the years, and we continue to do that. We love it. But don't forget, to please rate, review, subscribe if you haven't already. Share these episodes with all these amazing people. Um, I just think that these conversations need to spread out there and impact more leaders. So you're a part of helping us do that by sharing, rating, reviewing, subscribing. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our new Supernatural Leadership YouTube channel. Please uh, really help us grow that channel as we continue to add videos um, from even previous interviews that we've never shown before onto that channel. And so today we have an amazing, amazing guest uh, with us, friend of mine, someone that I've known for quite some time. I would say almost probably almost two decades now, somewhere in there, maybe 18 years, actually, to be exact. Uh, before I bring him on, I'm going to read a little bit about him, a little bit of about his a little bit uh, about his bio to introduce uh, who he is. His name is Trevor Bean, and he hails all the way from Stratford, Ontario, Canada. Uh, he is a brother, a Canadian brother of mine. And uh, so I'm going to read his bio to give you a little bit of an introduction. Then we're going to dive into today's episode. Trevor and Leslie Bean are the lead pastors of Jubilee Stratford. They are passionate about the presence of God and the kingdom of heaven expanding as well as raising up and equipping people in their callings. They have a heart to connect people with Jesus through evangelism and the end-time harvest. The Beans have been married for 27 years, and get this, they have seven, seven folks, seven, should I say it again for those in the back, seven amazing children. Wild. Trevor, welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, Sean, for having me. It's a privilege to be here with you. Man, so, you know, we've known each other now for, for quite some time. I think we met way back in, I want to say. 2006. You know no, I think it was 2004, wasn't it? Was it? Now that yeah, I think it about it. Now, You're right. I think it was 2004. So it has been two decades, basically. It has been two decades. That's yeah. wild. And I met you. I remember you had uh, you had the soul patch. Yes. Soul patch, a uh, little that beard thing it. here. Yeah. You had and the horseshoe. You had the horseshoe up. gauge oh, yeah. earrings. You remember that? You remember that? Oh, yeah. You were a musician. I was a musician. I had the dreadlocks back then as well. And actually, I don't know if you remember this, but we we met because I was I went to this event that your church was hosting. Yes. Stacy Campbell. Yes. It was a prophetic school and Patricia Bootsma. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we did some outreach on the street. And I remember seeing amazing things uh on that outreach back in 2004. And and really, really stuck with me that I've shared over the years all over around the world, actually, things that happened to me on that event. Yeah, it was amazing. It was a real cutting edge time, definitely for the prophetic and the supernatural, just erupting in people's lives and becoming so evident. 
It was because it was like so less saturated back then. There was no YouTube. No. Like barely Google, you know, like, yeah, I think in Napster and Kazaa were like the thing. Maybe they were already phased out at that point. I don't remember now, but, but yeah. um, like there wasn't a lot of access to this stuff. So you had to actually go places. <laughs> you had yeah. to travel. You had to go to a school in person. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of online stuff available. And if there was, maybe it was like on an old cassette tape, you know, a Graham yeah. Cook cassette tape or like a VHS tape from David Hogan that you had to find and scrummage through or like the Brownsville revival tapes. Like you had to actually work hard to get resource back then. It's right? true. It, yeah. No, it's so true. And I just remember so many youth and young adults being so hungry for it and, uh, and being so brave and courageous and bold just to step out with it. And um, we have some amazing stories of, you know, people that would go out to McDonald's or to, to Tim Hortons and they just have these divine appointments where God would just intervene in just a split moment. And we'd see signs, wonders, and miracles breaking out. Just, yeah, just absolutely phenomenal time period. And uh, just, it was so great, you know, when we we had the school and to have you come, Sean, it was so much fun. And we were it jamming was, together and, and you yeah, on we did. and I'm on guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did, man. And I remember like, yeah, I, I loved what, what you guys had fostered there. It was so like so supernatural. There was so much prophetic stuff that happened. I remember in that time frame, on the street and at that event. And uh, I have very significant memories of specific words that God spoke to me actually mm. there that mm. I still share to this day. In fact, I just shared recently somewhere, probably at my own church. Um, but when I was there with you, I don't. You weren't the lead pastor of the church at the time. No, I wasn't. No, you were very yeah. involved. And just give us give us a little bit of a Coles Notes version of like. Your church, from what I understand, is sort of the starting point to what we now know as Catch the Fire. Yes, in a that's sense, Yes. Right? Explain, yeah. explain that. Yeah, in 1981, John and Carol, uh, they started to minister in the streets of Stratford. And a lot of youth, unsaved youth, started to come to the Lord. And the church was birthed. And, and, uh, and then in 1992, uh, they left for Toronto. And that's when I moved in. Um, so we actually just did this cross. We we missed each other. Um, and then I was 18 at the time. And I was just coming from the farm, uh, grew up just north of Stratford and uh, worked for my father for many years. And, and then I, I moved into the city after getting married and working in a music store, music retail store. So when we connected, I was actually uh, working in the music retail store and I was also involved with the worship here at the church. And um, and in that time, you know, I look back at it with such fond memory because it was really the place that I felt like the Lord was was stretching and molding me in this area of leadership. You know, um, I learned really great work ethics on the farm. I understood, you know, probably the biggest concept about farm work is is when it's harvest time, you work. And when it's not harvest time, you get back into the rhythm of, you know, your daily schedule. And and harvest time was always so much fun because I mean, we'd start so early in the morning and we just push all the way to the the wee hours of the night. And then and then you come away from it and there's so much joy and so much excitement about the progress that's taking place. And so I carried a lot of those attributes into my workplace in the music store. And uh, and I started off super green, you know, not understanding how to interact with customers, how to do sales. And because of the work ethic and serving, serving the, the customers, I became the manager of the store very within a couple of years. And as I managed it, that's where uh, I remember 
uh, district manager coming to me and saying to me that um, all the work ethics that you've learned that has, has elevated you in serving the company, serving people, you're now going to have to pivot in your leadership because it's no longer about you. It's now about the people that you're going to develop and invest into. And that was a real mark for me to understand that as I'm growing in this, there's a pivot point in which we have to shift to where now our gaze and our our investment is in others. And, and so I'm hoping that we can hit that today, you know, in this conversation, because uh, I think I think true leadership is when we start to invest outside of ourselves. Yeah, that's so good. Absolutely. And that's I always often say leadership is like a hose. You're you're continually giving out. Yes, you receive, but leadership feels often like you're just constantly giving, 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 giving. You're investing in other people. And uh, of course, it's supposed to be reciprocated and we need to receive from God. We need to receive from others as well. And be a bucket sometimes, but sometimes there are seasons where it just feels like we've been a hose for a long time. Yeah, it's and so true. And that's and that's part of the journey, the ebbs and flows of of leadership. But just to get back to something before we get into that, um, so so your church that you now are the lead pastor of that you were not yes. leading when I met you really is the starting point for John and Carol Arnott. For those of you who don't know who were sort of the catalytic, like the catalyst to lead a great, great revival slash renewal that took place at what most people know as the airport church in Toronto, the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship that now is all branded as Catch the Fire, right? Correct me yes, if I'm wrong. Correct. And yep. that started in 1994. Yeah, the outpouring was in January 20th, 1994. 94. And it swept the world, and so much good came out of it. And so you're pastoring the church, really, that really I would consider is the seedbed for that. And so really, this is a supernatural move of God, and yeah. this is a supernatural leadership podcast. Yes. And I want to get into a little bit before we dive into some of the content here. Give us a Coles Notes version. Like, I mean, yeah. you were a farmer you came at yeah. 18, like, were you already in that space? Like you're coming into a, a culture that maybe is introducing you to the supernatural for the first time, or maybe it wasn't, maybe you came from something like that. What's your supernatural yeah. leadership journey like, or what was yeah, it? Yeah. Like? With growing up on the farm, I mean, there was many times that I would spend hours in the fields. And, um, and when I was in the fields, I always had this hunger, this desire for there's got to be something more in my journey with the Lord. So I grew up in a Mennonite community, not horse and buggy Mennonite, but it was modern Mennonite. And, and, um, and faith was very much real part of our family, part of our culture. And it was at 18 when I decided that I wanted to go and and serve at some kind of youth center, you know, for street kids, those that are. And, uh, and so I, I came to Stratford. It was called the bunker at the time. And a lot of the volunteers were from Jubilee, this church. And, and they invited me out to a, a Friday night service with Mark DuPont, um, and and they and they said he's a prophet. You got to come check him out. And uh, and I was like a prophet. I've never heard or seen a prophet before. And uh, and I remember being at that service when when Mark would begin to um, minister. It was uh, it was very interesting because you could tell that he was definitely reaching into or operating or responding to or interacting with the spiritual realm. It was a realm beyond 
the realm of our understanding. And when he would pray for people, there would be legitimate power released and there would be uh, healings and and people would be changed and they would experience it. And, and the thing that I loved about Mark was uh, he didn't carry any hype. It was either legit or it wasn't legit. And, right. and it was just so raw and so real. And so that awakened me to the, the spirit realm and the, the realm in which we can access as part of God's kingdom in our everyday life and, and the tools and the resources that are available. And so from there, that's where I, I, I left um, our Mennonite community and came to Jubilee. And the one thing that I loved about Jubilee was that it was a church where people weren't afraid to be messy. You know, uh, where I came from, it was about what's on the exterior, you know, putting up a good front. Here at Jubilee, it was about what's on the inside and the raw and and let's get into the mess. Let's get into what's happening with life's hurts, life's pains, life's trials, and then find a, a, a God of forgiveness and a God of healing to restore and transform our lives into something that's absolutely beautiful uh, with tons of potential ahead. And so from there, um, I started to uh, attend Jubilee, was a part of their youth ministry, and then became part of their, their worship ministry. And um, and then it was eight years ago that the Lord pulled me out of or called me out of the marketplace because I was working in music retail and then um, for 10 years. And then I, I came out of music retail and worked for my father-in-law in uh, a cell phone, a cell phone tower company, construction company. I was a construction manager and a project manager, and then did that for 10 years. And then the Lord called me to, to be a pastor at Jubilee. Yeah. And, and pastoring at Jubilee really was not on my radar. It wasn't something that I was ambitious about or something that I even, you know, if you would have asked me 10 years ago that, you know, would you be the pastor at Jubilee? It, it wouldn't have been something, but it was literally the Lord said, I want you to lead this and I'm calling you to it. And he opened the door and provided a way for it. Wow. I, re I remember a little bit of that transition. And you and I had talked, I think, around that time quite a bit. I remember like that the, what was happening in your in your life, in your world, even though maybe at times we hadn't chatted in a while. I remember hearing a little bit of those updates and and uh, and it's awesome to see. And I know that um, man, like you're a busy man, like seven kids. Like yeah. what kind of what kind of car do you drive? Like, uh, Honda do do Odyssey with lots of seats. <laughs> okay, but even the Odyssey isn't it like set. It's like seven, eight seats max, isn't it? Eight, eight seats. But you know, once they start turning sixteen, they don't want to ride with the anyway. Yeah, that's so true. That's they have true. their own vehicle. So I, I have a friend who has, I think, seven kids too, and he bought one of those commercial Mercedes like work, yes. yeah. work trucks, work vans. You know, those big high. Yeah. Cause it's like a shuttle bus basically totally. yeah. fit like they can fit nine. I think in that, in that, is thing. it like a sprinter? Uh, I don't know. It's just one of those yeah. ones you see that all those work, like those Mercedes Benz, yeah. like work trucks. Yeah. I think those it's called sprinter. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. I for sure. You would have had one of those, but yeah, I know your oldest is older now and driving and most of your kids are, I think three of your, your oldest kids are probably driving by now. Right. Yeah. I got to ride in a sprinter once it was in, in Hollywood and Justin Bieber sprinter when we were visiting him in, in, in downtown. Okay. That was a nice one. I could have asked him for that for our family, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think you would have given it to us. Yeah. You missed your chance. <laughs> hey, so let's get back to this. You, you know, you've been, um, you've been leading supernaturally for, for years and years and years. And you mentioned something to me earlier about, what I feel like probably is, is what God is. Well, cause you kind of mentioned it. Like 
God is speaking to you in this season about how to develop healthier supernatural leadership. Mm-hmm. And this whole concept around judgment, understanding judgment and discernment. Yes. You, let's 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 elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Judgment uh, and discernment, I think, are key um, tools that uh, a leader needs to use. And 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 I think if they're done well, um, meaning that you're using a supernatural gift within yourself to exercise discernment and judgment, um, it can have a really good outcome. One thing that I've learned in leadership that's consistent between, you know, whether I was working in the music store and in business or in construction is that there's always people that you have the opportunity to invest into. I think good leadership is about servanthood. And so uh, when you're serving somebody, if you have eyes to see, which means that you can see their potential and see how they're designed, the uniqueness of their design, and um, and if you can see their future or the potential future, and if they recognize that they have that potential future and have a passion for it, you know, imposing a future on somebody never works. But if you right. see it and you engage with them and their passion ignites with that, then you key, you carry a key element in their journey of development. And so so that I, I consider that to be a form of discernment where you're discerning and you're assessing. And um, and as they grow and develop, there can be all sorts of different kind of uh, opportunities or challenges or trials that they need to overcome in their own personal development. And and that's where judgment comes in. And where and I would say judgment is the strategy on how you exercise your discernment. Mm-hmm. And um, and judgment and judgment really requires tempo is really important. I've often found with people in conflict, because sometimes, you know, in leadership, actually, oftentimes, when you engage with people, there's an element of conflict that's involved with it. Uh, Meaning like, uh, there can be resistance to your leadership. And, um, and when that conflict takes place, most of us don't wake up in the morning and saying, hey, how much conflict can I face today? You know, I'm really looking forward to all the conflict I can find. Right, right. And we're usually wired two different ways with conflict. Either either we're too assertive and we want to be the dominant aggressor, or we're passive and and we tend to um, not exercise quick enough. And both of those have poor outcomes for the individual we're serving. You know, mm-hmm. both of those can be very harmful. And so I say that with discernment and judgment, the strategy, we need to know the tempo in which we can exercise that judgment for a good outcome. And but it's always there's always a variable that's involved, too, because um, when we exercise the judgment, it always puts an individual into a position of where they can choose one way or the other way. And um, and my my hope and goal is that, you know, if people don't receive the wisdom I carry or receive the leadership that I have for them to serve with, maybe I'm not the right leader for them. And that's okay. You know, maybe they need to find somebody else to follow or um, and and that's a that's a place of discernment as well and it's also good for me too because there's no use me leading people that don't want to be led and by me and so I want to be surrounded by people that are going to be able to glean from what I have to offer and be able to respond to that hey pause a little commercial break if you haven't already I want to encourage you and you're wanting to take your supernatural leadership to the next level, visit supernaturalleadership.com and join one of our on-demand courses. 
it is going to change the game. So many amazing testimonies already have come out of people over the years taking this course content. I wanna encourage you, sign up today. We have a special offer for you. And as well, if you wanna go even deeper and take your leadership to the next level, I would encourage you, and maybe you've already thought about this before, but getting a coach, a one-on-one -on -one mentor. Well, I have an opportunity that I wanna invite you into with myself, one-on-one -on -one mentoring and coaching. It may be a short time or even a longer time. We have many different co coaching packages that we offer, and I wanna encourage you to consider this today. I believe it will take your leadership to the next level. Dream interpretation, growing in your discipleship, growing in the word, maybe even preparation for you for vocational ministry and bringing the supernatural into every sphere of society. I wanna encourage you today, click the link in the description, fill out the survey, and we'll see if coaching is a good fit for you. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I think those two, those two words carry so much um, potency for all of us as leaders. If you're in business listening to this, like this applies to you with, if you're in some sort of vocational ministry, this applies to you. If you're whatever career job you find yourself at, even leading and parenting kids. Like, I mean, you 100%. need to understand this, especially on a discernment level, like to discern what's going on in your people, in your kids, in your leadership team. And, uh, and to know how to act. I love how you, 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 you kind of, you word that you word judgment is the strategy Correct me if I'm wrong in yeah. acting on your discernment. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can you, so like, t tell me like how that plays out in your everyday now, like, do yeah. You so find... yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, um, let's, let's talk about parenting for a minute because I don't know about you, but I've found parenting is like a moving target, you know, like here you have a, an individual that comes to this world that's completely in dependent upon you for everything. I mean, they're very life and survival. They they spend 20 years with you and, and the end game goal is that they're completely released from you and into independence. And, and there's all sorts of stages in between. And what I found in my leadership, when you have somebody who's completely dependent on you, that type of leadership, that type of discernment, and that type of strategy or judgment is very different from the discernment that takes place with the 20 year old and the type of leadership that you're going to carry. And I think a lot of times where parents get it wrong, especially right around the 12 to 13 year age, when that child is starting to exercise their own develop their own identity and where they're in a place now of where they're starting to make their own choices. And of course, to us, those choices look absolutely stupid and they look like you're going to make the biggest mistake ever. And they don't want to listen to us at all because they want to learn on their own. Your leadership has to shift. It has to mold all the way through. And, and I think this those that concept applies to business, church, uh, regardless, because in our church community, maybe we don't have people who are, you know, um, they're very dependent in their stage of life. And then you have other people who are very independent in their stage of life and your approach has to be totally different. And, um, and so I think sometimes we think in our leadership, you know, we're very static, you know, that the, it's a bunch of formulas and, and um, our formulas have to be the same. I, I would suggest that our leadership has to be very fluid. It has to be able to adjust to who that person is and what stage of development they're in for us to exercise discernment and judgment. And let me let me just make it really practical for one moment. 
So like when, when my children started to hit their teenage years and they started to make choices that, you know, I think are not good choices for the long-term vision of their life. You know, when they're in that stage, they're not thinking about the long-term vision of their life. They're, they're thinking about, you know, things that are important to them. If I come in, so if I discern, okay, there's a poor decision being made, right? And if the judgment that I make is, well, I got to go in as a father and I've got to flex my father muscle and I've got to put in the boundaries and I've got to uh, put restrictions into place to prevent them from making those choices. Well, I'm just going to push them away. And, um, but if I come in with uh, uh, an approach of my discernment is, you know, this is a really poor, poor choice. It's going to make a mess. But if I come in as a, as a coach and as a sideline, I'm available. I'm connected with you. I'm your greatest fan. I'm cheering for you. I, I've learned that the connection. So the discernment is poor choice. Discernment is connection is my strength. So it's so my leadership of dominance and restriction is going to have a poor outcome. My connection is, oh, I'm there for you when you make that mistake. As you clean up that mess, I'm going to help you, and I'm still there. I'm your, still your friend. Right. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And uh, hearing you talk, I mean, I have four kids myself, and my kids are relatively younger than your kids, as least at least your oldest kids. Um, I still have a seven year old, um, almost seven, anyways. But yeah, I'm noticing the shift because now my kids are moving into their teenage years and I'm noticing the shift and everything you're saying is is hitting home because my discernment and my strategy I've noticed is shifting and changing. Yes. But there's sometimes part of me that doesn't want to change with it maybe as quick as I need to yeah. under the guise of trying to protect and right. safeguard what I feel like could be a disaster. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yes. And and so like even more, I mean, parenting is like is a really hard leadership life. I mean, I think it, some of the hardest leadership lessons are learned in parenting. Yes. Um, because there's just so much more vulnerable emotion involved. Yeah. Uh, so much more care involved. Um, it's 24 hour or 24 seven. It's nonstop. Um, whereas everything else in life, often there's breaks and there's pauses and, you know, there's vacations and there's moments where you're not necessarily the leader um, in action all the time, whether it's your career, you know, you go away for a little bit, you're not necessarily thinking of your leadership, so to speak, but with parenting, it's nonstop. And, yeah. um, but I, I, I really sense like that we need to be as supernatural leaders. This is the premise of our podcast continually more presence-based mm -hmm. and not just principle-based. You know, Jesus yes. was a presence-led leader who operated within principle. He wasn't a principle-led leader that sometimes was led by the presence. He, John 5, 19 says he only does or did what he saw his father doing, that it was his spiritual nourishment to do in John 6, the will of him who sent him, which was the father, you know? So the way he got his nourishment, the way he got his leadership was by following the presence of God. And then within that, of course, there was principles at play, but if we don't have presence and we only have principles, that's where we miss it a lot in leadership. Yeah, I agree. Right. If we're not discerning 
by presence where things are at with specific individuals, whether it's in our parenting, our, you know, church leadership, our business leadership, our careers, you know, our, our, as we're managing projects and events with our team members or whatever the case may be for you, if you're not discerning presence led and you're just simply operating in principle, you might miss it quite a bit. Yes. You might fail quite a bit because you might not be giving the people what they need. Cause as you said it, it's like everyone needs something different at different stages. Yeah, no, it's so true. And, and I think, I think one of the challenges too, with, with, with present led leadership in your discernment is what do you do when you're in a position where, where, you know, you've come to the end of the road in, in this relationship. And, and I had this one, one employee uh, when I was working in the tower company, when we had to let him go. And, um, and, you know, and my heart is so much to see people succeed. My heart is so much to um, wanting to serve them and and help them push them up. And, and when you know that you've come to this intersection where, where it's on repeated occasion, you know, this behavior's not changing or, or this cooperation's not happening and it, and it comes to a necessary ending. Um, I think the leadership needs to change in that moment too, because when I walked into the room and I remember this so clearly, and, um, and I felt like, and I was just like, oh Lord, my heart is just so gripped with, you know, sadness because, you know, I feel like I'm going to hurt this person. And, um, and immediately I heard the Lord say to me, he said, if you're going in for an operation where, you know, the surgeon's going to hurt you, do you want him to have a dull knife or a sharp knife? And I was like, I'll take the sharp knife. It does less damage. And so when I went in, I felt like it was just be really clear and be really precise as to wow. why this is happening and bring it to an end. And, wow. and you know, by doing that, um, all of a sudden, it, what, what realized for me was I made every attempt I could make to help this individual succeed. They've made their own choice. Now it's come to a point that the pain that I've inflicted onto them, they're going to walk out the door. And the first thing they're going to do is start reflecting on what could I have done differently? And that was the best thing for them because when they step into the next opportunity with another leader, hopefully whatever that was will have shifted or changed. And um, and so that was that was a major life lesson for me because I love using soft skills, but there's hard skills in leadership. And um, and I think that as we discern, as we use our our judgment and strategy, that there has to be an element of where we're walking in connection with the Lord, where we hear His voice. And that 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 way we can exercise it with with precision and with accuracy because you know there's nothing like going to a good surgeon you know they know what they're doing they do it well and then there's a recovery and you're back into action and so we as leaders want to rise to that place of where we're really helping and serving people. Well, I think the I think the word of God is like that. I think of as you're talking in Hebrews four twelve, the word of God is so living and powerful that it's sharp. The word says it's sharp, sharper than a double-edged sword, and it divides soul and spirit. It's a discerner. Like the word of God is connected directly. I just think about what you're saying, the discernment, the sharpness. It's connected. It's a discerner of the thoughts and heart, hearts of men, the thoughts and intents of the heart. Like the word of God is sharp. And so if we are representing the word himself, Mr. Word himself, Jesus, if we are representing Mr. Discerner himself, then there is going to be, and there needs to be a sharpness, not in, in an abrasive way, not in a, yeah. 
violent or aggressive way, but in a way that's not going to beat around the bush, in a way that's not going to use like who wants to be circumcised with a dull flint knife? Like I'm sorry. Yeah, no you know, I don't know. Yeah. I think about I think about Joshua. I think about them crossing over and before they kind yeah. of went in, they like re circumcised the generation that had never yeah. been circumcised. I'm like, did that was that like a guy a flint sharpening guy on standby? Cause by the time they got through all those people, man, like I don't know, but someone's screaming for yes. sure. Yes. But no one wants something. No one wants to be uh, uh, d uh, led with with a dull knife, if you yeah. can use that. No one wants to be led with a dull sort of expression of discernment. You call it judgment. If the strategy behind how the discernment plays out, it's called the expression of our discernment. Um, no one wants that to be dull. It just hurts. Like you said, it's going to hurt even longer. Like I'd rather rip the, I, my daughter, my youngest daughter had a bandaid recently on and she's only six turning seven. And, and she was trying to pull it off slowly, like mm -hmm. yeah, feeling the pain. And I was like trying to get my hand in there. I was just going to yank it. I wasn't even going to tell her. She's pulling <laughs> it off slowly. So I just went in I just yanked it. And it's like, yeah. at first she was like shocked, but she's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. You know, and sometimes that's that's how it needs to be in leadership. That's how it has to be with our employees. That has to have that's how it has to be. We need to not beat around the bush, use discernment, act in healthy judgment, and cut where things need to be cut. So it's a clean cut. Because if you think about this, if you cut a loaf of bread sometimes with a dull knife, yeah, and or the wrong knife, it's like the bread gets squished, it gets yes. mangled. But when you it cut does. it with a sharp knife, it's clean. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. It's um, just even listening to you talk, I'm thinking of, you know, uh, different scenarios where I was late to the game, you know, like I, I prolonged, um, you know, that necessary discussion that would have brought harm or would have brought pain, I should say, not harm, but would have brought pain. But that pain isn't bad. It's 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 pain for growth. It's pain for development. It's it's necessary pain. Um, you know, as a father, one of my goals as a father was to be the perfect father. And I remember the first time that I made a mistake with my daughter and it just shattered my whole world. It's just like, oh my goodness, you know, like here I am trying to be the perfect father and it's impossible. And so, so part of me, I got delivered and freed from the expectation of perfection. And I think that sometimes we can have so much pressure on us that we have to be perfect in our leadership that there is no room for mistake and error. And, and when I say this, I don't mean this as, um, you know, we have a license to make mistakes and hurt tons of people. I'm, what I'm meaning is, is like when we, we need to give ourselves a break in the sense of saying there is grace for us to navigate through this leadership. And when we make mistakes, own those mistakes, but, but, um, but let's do our best at being able to, uh, you know, exercise uh, judgment exercise discernment with clarity and truth it doesn't doesn't require you know loud expression or or yell it, it doesn't require like a dominant positioning it just means a firm clarity that brings life and that's and that's the goal that is the goal and i i appreciate all that you're saying because i i just feel like it's so it's so needed and i think the thing that stands out to me the most is that that sharp sharpness that illustration that you shared that god showed you regarding you know would you rather the the dull knife or the if you're getting surgery or the the sharp knife 
Um, I just think this is such a key word for leaders yeah. in this time, especially in a day of an, an age where everyone tries to be politically correct. Everyone right. is afraid of HR coming after them because they did the thing the wrong way. They said the wrong word. They didn't use the right terminology. You know, they weren't sensitive enough. Like there's so much fear mongering now out there in culture because of yeah. our social sort of sort of situation, our social uh, the social that's happening right now, the, the culture is just, it's, it's upside down in so many ways. And there's just so much fear of just saying it the way that it is. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that makes sometimes the best leaders. Yes. There can be a, a compromise of compassion. Sometimes there can be an out of balance and, you know, it's not just about what you say. It's about how you say it. We get that. Yeah. And not to be abrasive and not to be overly aggressive and not to try to try to divide on purpose. But the reality of it is when you do say the truth, when you do say the right thing, sometimes even the right way with sharpness, yeah. it's still going to create potentially problems. Yeah. So whether you try to skirt around the issue and appease everybody, there's going to be problems. And whether you say the right thing the right way and do it, it's, it's just clean, it's cut. There's also going to be potential problems. I think that in the, at the end of the day, as long as we are guilt-free in our conscience that we did the thing the way that we knew in our own conviction that we were to do, if we do that and we live from that, it will all be good in the end. Absolutely. And I, and I think one of the, the greatest attributes in leadership development is being open to our blind spots, you know, and, and allowing, allowing, um, See, we can be blind to discernment and we can be blind to judgment of our own lives. And 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 sometimes we're afraid to look in the mirror and look into allow, you know, the Lord to examine us or even the people closest to us, you know, that can and and if we're willing to not necessarily, you know, invest all our energy into our weaknesses because I do believe you have to play to your strengths. However, I do think there needs to be an awareness. Just like Paul said, you know, I had this thorn in the side of my flesh and and it, it was it was a pain for it to be there, but it brought for me a, a, a dependency on God, a dependency on on who God is, and and I think that all of us have a cross to bear. I think all of us have blind spots, and and I think that we need to be open to to seeing in the reflection of of what is the discernment of what's happening for me, and and what is the strategy on how I can then exercise my weaknesses and my strengths that best serve other people. Cause it's really about the development of those that have been entrusted for us to care for. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. What do you think some are, are, are some real potential practical ways um, from everything we've talked about today that the listeners can kind of take home and how can they apply how can they apply some of the stuff that we've talked about today? What are some of the things that stand out to you? And give us some sort of like a yeah. activation. I think, yeah, the activation I would recommend if someone was sitting with me is pull out a piece of paper and then make a list of all the different names and relationships that you interact with at what level of relationship. So if it's a child, you know, you know your leadership is going to be at this specific level if they're in, if they're in a dependent stage. If it's a teenager, you know that your leadership is going to be at this level. If they're an independent, they're going to be at this level. If it's a, an employee that you have that and you're the employer, 
you know that that relationship is going to be different. And I think just take every name down and then sit down and then ask yourself the question, am I being truthful and am I being honest in my leadership with these individuals? You know, am I presenting what I'm seeing with my discernment? And am I, am I, is there a strategy for that discernment? Am I exercising it? Because I think most of the time we tend to, um, we tend to ignore, well, I think we tend to ignore discernment. Yeah. We see things and we, and because it's inconvenient, we, we ignore it. Yeah. And then, and then I think we're, we tend to shy away from the strategy on exercise. And so if you take a list of all the people and just go through them one at a time, and even just when you're praying for them, or if you're just meditating on that relationship, I would encourage you to ask those key questions. You know, what am I seeing and what am I doing about it? And then, and then, and then make a couple little steps, make some goals for yourself. You know, it doesn't have to be today. You don't want to knock it all off in one day, but make it over like a course of a week, you know, or two weeks. And then, and then, and then uh, activate that one goal and then evaluate, you know, I've engaged and then, and see what the results are. That's awesome. And I think, I think one of the things I just think about that's often a stumbling block is that people let fear govern their discernment. Totally. And almost shroud their discernment so they don't act. They can't make a right judgment. They don't act. They don't have the strategy. They can't be strategic in how they express that discernment because there's so much fear shrouding their discernment that they can't they can't confront or deal with the thing that they're discerning. That's mm-hmm. a dangerous way to live as a leader. It's like the ostrich syndrome. It's like if we just put our head in the sand long enough the problems will go away. No, your discernment's never going to go away. No. You yeah. might you might suppress the pain, the feeling, do whatever you can, but it's still going to be there. It's still going to come up. It's still going to manifest itself in some way to get your attention. Eventually, you're going to have to deal. And so my encouragement is to even in this activation as well is to say, God, like, where have I let my fear shroud my discernment to even to, to paralyze me before i even start so Sean, even just as you're saying this i'm seeing such clarity like if if fear is governing which which i think we're all kind of somewhat guilty of if fear is governing what it's what's happening is there's a level of anxiety and there's a level of stress that you're carrying that you're not supposed to be carrying as a leader it's actually making you an ineffective leader See, for every area that we have a discernment and a strategy that we don't exercise, it means we're in compromise. And when we're in compromise, we're usually compromising something from ourselves. We're compromising something from our team. We're compromising something for the community we're serving. And for us to come out from underneath that compromise and to come out from underneath the anxiety and the fear, it's going to be proactive with intentionality that says we must exercise discernment and judgment with clarity. And and we don't always get it right, but the weight will become lighter and will become more efficient and more effective. And it will actually get easier with better results. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I hope that really spoke to some of you out there listening and, and really believing that 
your leadership is going to go to the next level in the season of just acting on your discernment, expressing the strategy, which is the judgment to see clean cuts take place in this next season. No more dull slicing and dicing. This is a season of clean cutting, a season of moving ahead, season of cutting and pioneering the way ahead. And you need a sharp knife, a sharp machete to pioneer the way ahead against all the things that get in your way. So my encouragement, do the activation, get plugged into this. And Trevor, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time with us today on today's episode. Love to have you back. Dive into some prophetic stuff next time. You're an amazing, amazing leader. So thankful I get, I, I've been able to know you this long. And and uh, just just quickly, tell us how we can follow you, how we can stay in touch with you. And by the way, all the info for all of what he's going to say is going to be in the description, but I want you to all hear it from him. Absolutely. Um, our, our Probably our strongest platform right now is on our YouTube channel, which is Jubilee Strafford. Um, you can find us on there. We... Um, we have a lot of the different content that we do with our with our music and spoken word and also uh, different episodes for kids and that. Also, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Trevor Bean, all one word. And uh, and then our, our church also has an Instagram account as well, Jubilee Strafford. Awesome. So check him out, follow him, be in touch with what he's doing. And uh, Trevor, thank you so much for taking the time again today. Love you, man. Appreciate you. I love you too, Sean. Thank you. And thank you so much for all the listeners out there. Welcome again to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast episode. My name is Sean Gaby, your host. Though so thankful that you're part of this podcast family. Please, like I said, write, rate, review, write a comment, hit the like button, share this with your friends. And uh, remember, you have a leader within, so let's make that leader a little more supernatural. Until next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.